Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. I think there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence who say that numbers could be interpreted different ways, and that's what it is with statistics. In today's conversation, I am so happy to be speaking with board members, committee members, subcommittee members who are all part of Metaviver. They are actually changing the way legislation is being presented. They are doing grassroots work as well as national work to change the way that we are looking at metastatic breast cancer. Today, I'm so excited to be talking about how advocacy can look. Advocacy doesn't necessarily always mean that you're picking up the phone and that you're calling your legislators. It is something that you can do straight from your own home just because you're telling your personal story. Welcome to the conversation. My primary was diagnosed uh, 31 years ago, and I was a, a young mother with young children like, like Abigail. Uh, oh, no. Uh, well, yes, I was. I was <laughs> the first time I, I, I still have my kids. Uh, and, and I did, I did fine uh, for almost five years. And then the cancer uh, metastasized in my sternum. Um, and I still was a young mother with young kids. Um, and uh, the state of, of the technology for metastatic cancer patients was um, worse than in its infancy at mm. that time. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a very um, highly educated scientific family who convinced one of the five doctors who told me to go home and die that I should take some experimental treatment she wrote to the FDA, got a compassionate use um, permission to treat me, and, and I was treated for a year. I survived that uh, episode for 25 years. And during that time, um, I, I immediately, as soon as I was eligible, I signed up for Reach to Recovery uh, to be a counselor. And over the last 25 years, I advocated one-on-one -on -one for uh, somewhere somewhere around 350 patients, most of them ladies, a few guys, but most of them ladies. Um, and, and then uh, about five years ago, uh, right after I retired, I found the Quality of Life Committee at the Montana Cancer Coalition. And what we do is try to connect all sorts of cancer patients all over Montana not only those living in our tiny little cities, but also those on, on the reservation and those on the frontier um, with, with care, uh, good care of all kinds. And, and our current project is, is an educational program for primary care physicians and, and trying to um, get them to a place where they're very comfortable taking over the care of, of survivors. Um, and then a year ago, one of my reach to recovery patients uh, was Vanessa. And when I found Vanessa, she was already actively engaged 
in in trying to promote the passage of some very important national legislation. Uh, she and her brother had been just kind of floundering around trying to figure out how to do this, but she had already had meetings with the offices of her senators, who are Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. Uh, wow. She had been very aggressive, uh, but but without much backing. So uh, at that point, we started looking for a home uh, and other people who were passionate about uh, these particular issues. Um, and, and we found that Metaviver was exactly the place we needed to be. And thanks to Barry and Dan Kramer, who's not here today, um, we, we kind of spontaneously formed a advocacy planning or strategy subcommittee of the advocacy committee and, and basically just doing some back office work um, uh, for, for the larger committee. And as Barry uh, will mention, uh, we have been so honored and energized and thrilled to be a part of this organization because um, they're, they're small, but they're mighty. They're a get her done kind of group of people. So that's, oh, and, um, and I just recurred six weeks ago. So I'm, I'm, mm. I'm back in, I'm back in the fray. I'm fighting again. Um, and, and fortunately in the last 25 years, um, the, the technology has improved. The treatments have improved and, um, we're, we're hoping to fight the good fight for as long as we can again. Thank you, Bess, for that background. Sorry, for some reason, I didn't realize that you were living with NBC, but um, you just are so vibrant and you have so much energy. Like a lot of us, people forget that um, NBC can still be wreaking havoc on the inside, even though we're able to remain pretty uh, put together on the outside. So I appreciate your introduction there. Barry, would you like to go next and talk a little bit about your connection with NBC? Certainly. Um, in April of 2018, my partner, Cheryl, was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, which is a insidious form of metastatic breast cancer that is not susceptible to detection by mammograms or by uh, screening. Um, she um, initially was put on a, uh, her, her uh, first-line treatment. Uh, Ibrance lasted, um, oh just about a year before it uh, stopped working. And she went on several uh, other treatments until finally the uh, available treatments ran out. She passed away this last January. Uh, shortly after she was diagnosed, I began researching uh, metastatic breast cancer, ran across Metaviver, made contact. Um, and it turned out that... Uh, well, first of all, I had the concept of, of uh, or the desire to um, reach out to my legislators to encourage um, increased research funding. Uh, and it turned out that Metaviver's legislative consultants I had worked with uh, 
more decades ago than I care to reveal uh, on the subject of crib death. And we were extremely successful in ultimately finding a uh, treatment that that almost eliminated that uh, source of infant mortality. But going back to the future uh, or going back to the the fast forwarding, I had um, um, arranged to become a local contact for Metaviver for purposes of going to Congress. Um, the former local contact had become unable to, to continue in that regard. So I visited um, um, a number of congressional offices with uh, the consultants um, and then later became involved in Metaviver's um, signature uh, campaign at that time, the um, Stampede which was an opportunity for people from all over the country to come to D.C. and to uh, meet and educate their congressional delegation and to um, um, uh, advocate for great and educate for greater research funding, as well as for other legislative um, priorities that we'll discuss a little later. I have next year served on the Stampede Committee, and then the year after that was elected to the board, and I now serve as Director of Advocacy for Metaviver. We have currently renamed our Stampede Committee to the Advocacy Committee because it's our intent to pursue year-round um, advocacy efforts instead of just um, for the Stampede. So currently, this year, we have three priority areas. Uh, one is... Um, appropriations. We've already had an action alert and a uh, virtual campaign uh, around the appropriations process. Uh, coming up in a month to two months will be our signature legislative priorities, um, which involve both, uh, and we'll talk in more detail about this later, but uh, financial, better financial support and backing for um, uh, people with metastatic breast cancer and also um, uh, trying to um, reduce or eliminate um, insurance company manipulation of out-of-pocket expenses. And then finally, we will repeat the stampede in the fall, uh, which is about the time that Congress begins passing the legislation that they've been working on all year. Uh, so again, we have year-round advocacy planned now in these th form of these three campaigns, and then in future years, our hope is to even increase the frequency of our action alerts and our uh, priorities. Yeah. That kind of gets you gets you to date, and um, I'll give it back to you. Thank you, Barry. Caroline, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yeah, I'm I'm involved with the Metaviver Advocacy Community. Uh, committee as well. Um, my name is Caroline and I'm in Northern Virginia. I'm actually pretty close to Barrie. And um, I'm trying to think, I've been involved with Metaviver for a while. I I sort of found Metaviver too as I, um, after I had my metastatic diagnosis and uh, was just looking for organizations doing advocacy work around um you know, just different aspects of, of metastatic breast cancer came across Metaviver and they just were really, you know, the best organization in terms of being targeted specifically at metastatic breast cancer. And Caroline, how long have you been living with MBC? 
That's a really good question. <laughs> they first saw, saw the um, tumors in 2014, but I actually didn't get a diagnosis to 2017. So, um, yeah, so a little bit am- ambiguous. So hard to know specifically how long, but at least the four years since the diagnosis. Each of you seem to kind of incorporate into your answer about introducing yourself as to why the um, advocacy committee is so important. Um, So I just wanted to address that quickly. So I'm also on the advocacy committee for Metaviver. And um, I I think that it boils down for me um, to basically that legislative and policy advocacy is just super important to me. Um, It's definitely a niche for me. And Metaviver is the group of people that I wanted to do that with um, because, as has been mentioned previously, it's laser focused on metastatic patients. So as I've shared before with other people, there are advocacy committees with a lot of other organizations. There's trainings with a lot of other organizations, including the Metastatic uh, Breast Cancer Network, um, and and others, the American Cancer Society. There are lots of organizations that have these groups that then go lobby Congress for various uh, remedies. But the thing that sets Metaviver apart, in my opinion, is that we're focusing on the metastatic community, the metastatic breast cancer community, whereas these other organizations have a wider focus. And so a lot of times our agendas um, overlap. A lot of times, you know, um, even when I'm doing some legislative calls, I'm inviting people maybe from force or from other organizations even to come with me to some of the meetings so that we have, you know, present a united front. But um, whereas their focus is a little bit wider, ours is is laser focused on the metastatic community, which is what I appreciate. Um, so I'm going to call on Barry next to talk about how this committee fits into the board's organization and, and just how he as a board member and how Metaviver it is looking at how legislative advocacy fits into the overall agenda. Oh, thanks, Abigail. When Metaviver began, uh, it's first and major priority was uh, fundraising for medical research. In fact, 100% of all donations went to fund medical research. The um, advocacy was thought of as important, but didn't receive the same priority. It was a a secondary area. Um, In recent years, um, we've seen the growth of uh, involvement by the organization advocacy to the point where now it stands as an equal priority for, um, along with fundraising. Um, the board sets its annual priorities at the beginning of the year, and the advocacy committee follows out those priorities with uh, program and implementation. Uh, the priorities for this year are, first of all, the funding of increased funding for medical research, Secondly, um, the um, uh, advocacy of the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act, which provides uh, the elimination of a. Uh, actually, I'm going to stop right there and 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 give some background, and then I'll talk about uh, what we're trying to do. Um, under the Social Security law, 
there is a five-month waiting period before you can uh, uh, get Social Security disability benefits. Once your benefits have been granted, there is an additional 24-month waiting period before you can qualify for Medicare as a secondary insurance. One of our legislative priorities is called the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act, and that eliminates these waiting periods. When you consider that the average um, longevity for an individual who's been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer is 33 months after the date of diagnosis, um, effectively, these waiting periods eliminate the possibility of getting any financial support from the government for somebody with MBC. So again, this legislation would um, eliminate those waiting periods, and it, it's a critical priority when you out-of-pocket expenses for treating metastatic breast cancer can um, easily uh, mount up to the tens of thousands uh, per year. Uh, I've seen some cases where $60,000 a year out-of-pocket alone have, have been the case, um, and I suspect even more. Um, in Shara's case, we were because of the insurance she was covering, we, we had basically an average of about $25,000 a year. But when you consider that um, an individual with metastatic breast cancer is unable to work and then is faced with those kinds of out-of-pocket expenses, there are people dying simply because they can't afford medical treatment. And um, you know, so that's, that is one of the reasons why this is a priority. Um, second legislative priority um, that the board has set is called the Cancer Drug Parity Act. And that eliminates um, manipulation of out-of-pocket expenses by insurers. Under the, As the law currently allows, insurers can charge one um, copay for a treatment in a doctor's office and a much larger copay for the same or similar treatment at home or in a hospital. There are these differentials that make no sense at all, but just allow insurance companies to charge more and make more money. Uh, what this legislation attempts to do is to uh, standardize those expenses, prevent insurance company manip manipulation. As one example, um, a, an individual um, was told that uh, in their doctor's office, they would have to pay uh, um, $60,000 for a course of chemo. They later learned that across the street in a hospital, uh, they could get the same course of chemo for just a fraction of that amount. So the, the, the differences here are just astounding. Uh, second legislative priority, if you count appropriations, this third legislative priority. And then... Um, Another priority area is combination legislative and regulatory. It involves the what is known as the SEER or Survey Epidemiology End Result uh, Registry. Just very simply, it is the way that uh, National Cancer Institute tries to keep track of uh, cancer. Um, it undercounts uh, breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer in particular, dramatically. Um, it was established in 1973 when people with metastatic breast cancer basically didn't survive very long, and so they never even considered it. Um, because it doesn't pick up metastatic recurrence, 
and, and therefore um, research money is under allocated to this field because it's not seen as a problem. The um, other thing which uh, the SEER registry doesn't do is when someone has, uh, let's say, metastatic breast cancer, which spreads to the brain or another area and causes death, they're recorded as brain cancer, not metastatic breast cancer. Accordingly, um, again, uh, research is underfunded because this is seen as less of a priority. So one of the um, advocacy issues that the board has authorized the advocacy committee to emphasize is um, SEER modernization. And we can talk a little bit more about how we're doing that later, but I just wanted to outline the board's uh, priorities and how the advocacy committee is um, pursuing them, implementing them. So I think that answers your question and I will throw it back to you. Thank you, Barry. And that's some of those technical things that trying to explain to these health staffers um, can get a little complicated because there's a lot of verbiage and there's a lot of different language there. And sometimes the health staffers don't fully understand what the implication is. And so one of the things that I love about Metavivers advocacy efforts is that those of us who live and breathe a lot of this stuff, we take care of the technical pieces. We train the state captains on the technical pieces and then constituents are invited to simply come and tell their stories. I was part of interviewing Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz recently for the RMBC podcast. And she just went on and on and on about the power of storytelling and how each of us has the impactful story to tell these legislators. And we can talk about the Drug Parity Act, we can talk about SEER and, and get into the weeds of all of those details. But at the end of the day, the health staffers and our Congress people need to know why. Why is it important that something like SEER get updated? And that story that Barry told about uh, someone being asked for $60,000 in order to get chemotherapy, that was my dad because my mom needed to get chemotherapy and the person asked for 60 grand while she was already hooked up to get chemotherapy because they were in a location where they were allowed to charge that amount of money under, under my parents' insurance policy. And they could literally walk across the, uh, the street and go to the hospital and their copay was like $250. So $250 versus 60 grand for the same exact medication given in the same exact way. Um, so to me, that drug has a lot of very personal implications as well. Um, so, uh, yes, would you talk a little bit about the advocacy toolkit and why the advocacy committee was putting together that toolkit for, um, people uh, who are wanting to get involved and learn how to do this type of advocacy? Sure. Um, I think in part it, it was already uh, a, a dream of Barry's and Dan's, and then I started whining, and it kind of became um, front and center uh, to what we were doing. And, and I think the, you know, the reason is real simple. Uh, we, three of us here, know we're on borrow time, as you mentioned, Abigail. And it's like, let's get something done right now. 
whatever we can do. It doesn't have to be perfect. It We just have to get something that we can use to attract state captains and attract constituents such that people are dripping on their um, uh, national legislators all the time. And as Barry mentioned, Medivivor has this wonderful stampede program that has been very successful. And we thought, huh, if it's that good one time during the year, maybe we can really kind of ramp up that concept and 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 attract more people, do things for them so that we're not just asking them uh, once a year and, and just leaving them alone. We're, we're sending information to them, not just about the wonderful research that Medivivor does, but about advocacy issues and offering them resources, in particular offering resources so that they feel um, confident and, and well-prepared when they contact their legislators. And, and of course, it's also a how-to. You know, this is, this is how you do it, step by step by step. So it makes it less scary way more accessible to people, or at least that's what we're hoping. Um, and, uh, and, and with, with a goal, of course, of expanding the number of, of advocates we have throughout the country and raising the consciousness by doing so, raising the consciousness of all of our legislators, even, even if they won't do much of anything for us, they at least know that we're out there. And I will say that in my case, I, I don't know that I mentioned this earlier, um, I'm the state captain for Montana, first first Montana state captain Medivivors had to my knowledge. Um, thank you. But uh, one thing that was super important here was communicating. I have one Senator who is um, utterly deaf. <laughs> about most things that are important to people, but one who just didn't know we existed and did not know that these issues were important. The end result, and there and there were some interim steps, by the way, but the end result was that he just co-sponsored the, metast- the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act. So, I mean, this was a complete shift from knowing nothing to you know to being a, a strong supporter and that's that's what we're after um and one thing uh, mentioned Russ, uh, along that line according to our legislative consultant we have several of the most popular bills in congress in terms of the number of co-sponsors this has taken work it's taken a number of years of effort uh, and grassroots involvement to get there and so we're looking at uh, we, we think, um, you know, definite chance of passage, uh, hopefully this year, um, obviously can't guarantee anything, but we've, we've come a long way due to the grassroots involvement. It's really been incredible. Yeah. And thank you for that reminder, Barry, too, just that that is the style of advocacy that Metaviver has embraced is this idea of grassroots advocacy and um, Dan, who wasn't able to be here today because of a family obligation, which is always more important than doing something like this, 
he comes from that um, from that background and brings that expertise to to the committee. Barry, would you like to talk about what Dan does and his um, expertise a little bit more? Oh, certainly. So he can't be here. <laughs> uh, Dan is a uh, grassroots organizing consultant. He works with nonprofits all over the country um, on how to um, generate grassroots involvement and participation. Um, we we're very, very you know, fortunate that he has volunteered his services for Metaviver. His um, wife, Cassie, has been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. Um, and um, um, I think about a year ago, I'm, don't quote me on that. I guess I am quoted now, but um, the, uh, <laughs> um, the importance of this grassroots advocacy just can't be overstated. Um, we are, um, uh, legislators will ignore often people who are not the uh, constituents. You need a constituent to gain their ear. And we currently have, um, at last count, um, uh, 38 state captains. We developed state captains from our uh, stampede last year, uh, which is the first virtual stampede due to COVID. And now um, uh, we have 38. We're trying to assemble more. We, our goal is to have a state captain in every state. But this has made an incredible difference in terms of our effectiveness in Capitol Hill. And our hope is, in terms of advocacy, to also add a, um, uh, a state level of advocacy as well. Um, uh, there are a lot of opportunities for state legislatures and regulatory uh, institutions to become involved, or agencies to become involved, rather. And, and there are even some opportunities for local involvement. So in terms of the... Uh, what Dan has been doing for um, Metaviver, he's developed an advocacy toolkit, which is designed for people who are want to become involved but are not sure how to do so. It's a simple step-by-step uh, guide for how to become involved, how to become an advocate for um, on behalf of uh, the metastatic breast cancer community. In addition to that, it provides a... a, a number of additional resources and um, ultimately contact information for anybody that, um, that, that wants to discuss this further or get, get more guidance. Um, we anticipate that with a little more development that the uh, toolkit will be posted on Metaviver's website, uh, as well as being sent out uh, more, more generally to uh, people who have registered for involvement in the past. So Dan has <clears throat> made a, just a sea change, a difference in terms of uh, development of our, our uh, the potential that we have in uh, grassroots advocacy and organizational development. Wonderful. Thank you, Barry. And uh, it is amazing to me as we meet more people who have been touched by metastatic breast cancer is that it's, it's everyone right? Um, at, at various levels. And it is certainly something that um, does not discriminate in, in any way um, in terms of who develops metastatic breast cancer. Um, so Carolyn, I think that you are also a state captain, um, but would you perhaps go over for our listeners 
other than uh, the few states that we're still uh, developing state captains for. If someone listening to this webinar wanted to get involved with legislative or policy advocacy, how would they do that? And what kinds of things um, are we looking to recruit for? Aha, uh -huh. well, yes, I have been a co-captain with Barry and actually he takes on an awful lot of those duties. So I kind of, kind of just co-captain. And um, we, uh, we, um, well, a big, big part of it is during the stampede, you know, we work to kind of organize our interaction with the legislative offices on Capitol Hill. And then we set up um, times to talk with usually staff. I mean, in an ideal circumstance, it could be a member of Congress, but more often it's legislative staff. And we really just give them a little bit of background on Metaviver, what our issues and concerns are. And, um, and then we, we share insight on our personal experiences and how changes to policy and legislation could be helpful to us as constituents. And since we, you know, we try to match up people from their own legislative district, but, you know, obviously the rest of us are from within the state when we meet with them as a group. And um, so, you know, we're actual constituents that they're representing and that that tends to have much more sway than just some random lobbyist coming in and talking about an issue. And um, we we let them know what our concerns are. During the course of the year, I think, you know, you alluded to to trying to move to a more year-round format. And we just want to keep our issues in front of legislators um, at the federal level. Sometimes we can also do that at the state level. Sometimes there are state actions that can impact us and our legislative priorities as well. And so just make sure that our legislators are aware of um, our issues and concerns and try to keep those in front of them. And also just, you know, kind of keep everybody briefed as much as possible on, as a group, what um, what's going on around the country, what's going on with legislative priorities, and um, how we can try to get some traction on those issues. Thank you for, for outlining that. Um, would it be correct to say, um, and anybody can take this, um, take the answer to this question up, but um, that the average person who's wanting to get involved, that the only assignment that they would have would be to share their personal story. Is that an, an accurate thing to say to just anybody who might want to get involved? I'd say that that's the most important thing that they can do. Legislators um, are most open to hearing people's stories, that has the most impact. Um, the issues are something that that you know can be learned to varying degrees, but the thing which will really change legislators' mind is to hear your personal story. You just can't overemphasize the importance of that. Yeah, yes, I would agree. Absolutely. Great. So um, there's, Barry, you alluded a little bit to SEER and how the um, that particular database does not count. Those of us who go from an early 
breast cancer stage and then progressed to a stage four. Um, and I know you met recently with Sear um, on behalf of Metaviver. So would you be able to give everybody an update on where they are at in terms of updating their antiquated system, which I think didn't Nixon sign it into law, something like that? That's exactly right. Uh, it's at this point, almost ancient history. Um, the uh, we we met with um, a team from Sear who was um, assigned the task of working on modernizing Sear. Um, they have developed a number of pilot projects in different locales to uh, track metastatic recurrence, and then depending upon the result of these pilot projects, they can then implement them more generally. Um, We've also asked them for some follow-up information that they recently provided in a letter. We're analyzing that. Uh, we have a, a team of people, including um, uh, people with statistical expertise and research expertise, uh, to um, go over that and make suggestions and see uh, what um, further directions we might be able to provide. So we're at the the point of analyzing the, the information they've given us and then seeing um, how best to go forward. So, um, Beth, do you want to talk a little bit about why it's important for them to count us properly? I'm sorry, why it is important? Why it's important for SEER to count us properly? Why it's important to know how many people are living with metastatic breast cancer? Well, yeah, there, there are a couple of reasons. Number one is the way they're counting us now is wrong. It's, it's scientifically incorrect. Uh, so what they're what they're doing is lying, <laughs> essentially. Um, you know that's can't get more direct than that, right? <laughs> I mean that's 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 where it's at. Number, but it's not number one. I mean that's kind of number two. You know, number one is you know there are about three hundred thousand people in this country living with metastatic breast cancer, and I think it's important for the public and legislators and kind of everybody to understand that very few people die from any type of primary cancer. Virtually anyone who dies from cancer dies when it invades the rest of the body from wherever it started. And in general, it is a true statement that uh, that many primary cancers, in, in the case of breast cancer, about a third of them uh, uh, come back to haunt patients later in life at some point. So, you know, we're talking about something that's very widespread, but very poorly understood, I think, you know, in, in, in the popular mind. And just yeah. to add to what uh, Bess is saying, um... Uh, appropriations of research funding follow uh, the statistics of the incidence of cancer. And so if SEER is dramatically undercounting metastatic breast cancer, um, then our research funding is going to be much smaller accordingly. And, and in fact, it is. Uh, we, um, uh, If you count both public and private funding together, we fund... Uh, less than 7% of all peer-reviewed research proposals uh, in the metastatic breast cancer field. So, um, you know, we need to get more accurate figures in order to get research funding 
levels that reflect the true figures. Um, the um, other reason to update SEER is that we need to understand in terms of cause of death, for example, um, whether um, we have metastatic cancer as the original cause or not, sort of as best said, because let me just give an example to simplify. If you have metastatic breast cancer, it spreads to the brain, causes uh, death. It may well be that treating brain cancer is going to pose more of a challenge in that you can best reduce um, brain cancer deaths by developing, by research and developing more treatments for metastatic breast cancer. I mean, in order to understand the uh, metastatic progression and in order to under, and, and in order to deal with areas that of or aspects to cancer that may be very difficult to treat, you need to get a much better understanding of the origins of that cancer. So that's that's yet a further reason for uh, focusing our efforts on SEER. It, it's, it's very fundamental, very basic to addressing the problem of metastatic breast cancer. Yeah, in, and you guys were throwing out numbers and percentages, right? Like three hundred thousand people, like thirty percent of people will become metastatic um, after an early stage diagnosis. All numbers that are um, statistical good guesses, right? Yep. That we're we're looking at the information we have, we're extrapolating for from seer, we're looking at what we know and backing into some of these percentages, but we don't know them for sure because they are extrapolations. They are using the information that we have. And so it would be very helpful also from an advocacy perspective to know for sure that there's a constituency of 300,000, that 30% of people diagnosed with early stage breast cancer, meaning one to three, will then become metastatic after um, a period of time. These are all things that will help us from an advocacy perspective, get more money like Barry was talking about. Um, but they're somewhat in dispute right now. I think there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence who say that numbers could be interpreted different ways. And that's what it is with statistics. You can interpret statistics in, in different ways. So getting those solid numbers that we can all rely on will be very important so that it's not something that is in uh, dispute. Bess, can we start with you? Is there anything else you'd like to share that I didn't ask or we didn't get to? Because of course, there's just so many good things to talk about. Yes. Well, I, I the only thing that occurred to me while Barry spoke is, you know, and, and we talked about numbers and extrapolating numbers, but, but here's something that has nothing to do with numbers, but has everything to do with SEER. And, and that is, if without research that that directly pertains to metastatic breast cancer patients, what they'd be treating me for right now is liver cancer. Wrong cancer, wrong treatment, you know, dead within months. Whereas understanding the kind, the fact that this is a recurrence of metastatic breast cancer will will buy me much more time with targeted therapies that are known to work um, for uh, patients and give them quality uh, as much optimize their quality of life and survival. So yeah, that's that's the only thing 
that I wanted, you know, all the numbers aside, you've got to have good information. And the only way you can do that is with research. And the only way we get research funds, not the only way, but but one of the main ways we get research funds is is when Congress gives them to us. <laughs> basically right for good quality which is why the appropriate the appropriations committee is such an important committee to get to know and make sure that we're advocating directly to them which is why that was one of the targets for for this year or the goals for this year so thank you best be thinking about a word uh barry you're going to come over to you what's maybe one thing that you didn't get to share that you wanted to share with everybody i just want to encourage anyone who's interested to Become involved. Uh, there are several ways, but probably the, the easiest is just to email info at metaviver.org and indicate um, that you would like to become involved in your in your state. As I say, most states have a state captain. Uh, we can coordinate uh, and make contact with that state captain for you and, um, and get you involved. You don't have to be an expert in any of this. You just have to be willing to tell your story. And please don't get intimidated or overwhelmed by all of this um you know we can we can provide you the support that you need um to feel more comfortable but the main thing is just your your voice your voice and your story and if you are interested in getting involved once again that email is info at metaviver.org um and uh, certainly you know i think this is if we're to find a way to um, uh, make metastatic breast cancer a chronic but treatable and non-terminal um, illness, that we're going to need to research our funds and uh, we need to increase our research funds. Excuse me, and um, um, you know we're going to need everybody's effort to make that a reality. Absolutely. I'd be thinking about your word, Barry. Uh, Carolyn, can we come over to you? Is there anything else that you would like to share that you haven't had a chance to share yet? Yeah, um, I will chime in with, you know, I think what really sort of sustains me, motivates me, and I feel really passionate about is something we've kind of alluded to, but we just really have to make sure that everyone has access to care. Um it, it just, I figured that out really early on is that, you know, if you do not have access to care, then the rest of this is all just sort of, yeah, well, it'd be nice to have more research, but since I can't get any care to begin with, or if it's going to bankrupt me, that's a serious problem. Metaviver is trying to do more on improving that through the metastatic breast Cancer Access to Care Act. And, you know, there are a lot of other organizations that are interested in that legislation as well. Um, yeah, there, there are issues of equity around this. Um, you know, there's the craziness of the person in the next chair can be paying a completely, or across the street, as you said, Abigail can be paying a completely different price for their care than you are. There are just so many different issues and we really, um, we have to keep fighting to make sure that everybody has access to care. And I feel, I feel like once we, if we can cross that basic threshold, then we can really start to make a lot more progress on improving the therapies that are available. Such a good point. Such a, an excellent point to look at access to care. And one of the things that I love about Metaviver is that um, through the board, through this committee, Metaviver is really looking to simplify something that's really complicated 
so that anybody can be a part of it and break it down into uh, consumable tasks uh, for for each individual. So if you want to get involved in terms of just sharing your story, that's that's huge and that's one of the most important things. If you want to get involved by being an organizer or being somebody who's taking on a little bit more responsibility, there's the state captain or co-captaining uh, a state. If you want to get even more involved, we're always looking for people to join the committee so that we have more hands. What is the phrase? Many hands make light work. work make work light? I don't know. Something like that. It helps to have lots of hands. It helps to have lots of people working. And there's always more. There's always more to do. But um, the, the one thing that I really want everybody to take away from this webinar is that even if the ask or the big question, the big picture is complicated, the only ask of you as an individual, as a constituent is talk about yourself. And that is something that everybody is equipped to do. Even if public speaking is something that scares you, uh, we can make it easy for you and help you through that, that process. But the the only ask is to come tell your story. Thank you all so much for being part of this webinar series. It really warms my heart that we can bring in experts to talk about the legislation, the advocacy work, and the great work that MetaViver is doing. It's an honor and pleasure to be partnering with all of you. So thank you so much. And I really do hope our listeners and our members for survivingbreastcancer.org get involved. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, and I'll link to all of our handles below. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could share this episode on social media. If we could reach just one more person, my heart would be filled. Your thumbs up, likes, hearts, comments, and shares are a great way to advocate and help elevate our voices and those of our guests. You can find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect via our website, survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. Until next time, keep on thriving.